On 1 February 2009, the Zimbabwe's government finally buckled and gave in to the economic realities that had characterized the economy for much of 2007 and 2008. On this day, the Zim dollar, as we had come to know it, was no more. And, and the economy adopted a multi-currency system using a basket of about nine currencies, uh, with the United States dollar being the predominant currency in that currency basket. Then 10 years later, on 24 June 2019 to be exact, the government of Zimbabwe finally officialized a plan that had been in motion since April 2016 when it initially announced that the use of the bond notes would happen alongside the multi-currency system. Now, through statutory instrument 142 of 2019, the government of Zimbabwe announced that the US dollar and all other foreign currencies that were part of the multi-currency system were no longer legal tender in Zimbabwe. Effectively, the Zimbabwe dollar had now bounced back from obscurity. And until recently, even in spite of resistance from the markets, with the Zimbabwe dollar continuously losing value against the US dollar, and most trading in Zimbabwe's hugely informal markets uh, occurring in the United States dollars, the authorities still insisted that its de-dollarization exercise of doing away with the United States dollar was a, was a success. And they even maintained that there was no going back on the de-dollarization exercise. So in other words, the public should forget and smile about ever using the United States dollar officially again. Then on 26 March, barely less than a year after planning, uh, after banning rather, the United States dollar, and, and more crucially, as the world battles uh, with the COVID-19 public health crisis that has completely disrupted the global economic system, and has not even spared uh, good old Zimbabwe, the RBZ has all but announced the official return of the United States dollar. So this comes at a time when the authorities in other countries are going out of their way to shield their economies from the negative effects of the coronavirus crisis. In South Africa, for instance, the South African Reserve Bank uh, recently reduced its benchmark rate to 5.25% in an effort to allow people to borrow more and just spend more in the hopes that this will revive and spur economic activity. Additionally, the South African government has created a fund to help the vulnerable members of its economy. And, and not only has it created this fund, it has gone on to inject uh, seed capital of 150 million rand uh, to assist with the persons uh, that are deemed vulnerable. And then if you go in, uh, to Kenya, uh, the government has enacted a 100% tax relief uh, for all persons earning up to 24,000 Kenyan shillings, as well as a reduction in income tax rate from uh, 30% uh, threshold to about 25 percent 
And not only that, the Kenyan government has also gone a notch ahead and announced a 10 billion shilling package to assist the elderly people, the orphans, and any other vulnerable groups of its um, uh, society. And, and Nigeria has also taken a similar uh, path and it has uh, reduced the interest rates from about 9% to 5%. And it has also created a 50 billion Naira credit uh, facility for SMEs uh, and affected households uh, that are currently battling under the coronavirus uh, crisis. Um, so with all this happening, naturally, there's growing pressure on Zimbabwe's authorities to act and, and to try and cushion uh, whatever relics of the economy that still remain. And on the 26th of April 2020, the authorities have acted, with the RBZ uh, releasing uh, its statement on interventions in response to the financial vulnerabilities caused by the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, earlier on uh, on today. So now, one thing that is interesting to note about the timing of the RBZ statement uh, is that earlier on, uh, on Thursday, the 26th of March, there were reports that Kosovo's government was overthrown uh, because of the coronavirus crisis. So now this happened after its prime minister uh, lost a no-confidence vote, partly because of disputes as to how uh, his government was responding to the coronavirus pandemic. And also earlier on, on the 26th of March uh, 2020, latest data released uh, in Zimbabwe showed that deliveries of gold, which is one of the country's major uh, foreign currency earners, declined by 44.4% month-on-month from around 2.54 tons of gold delivered in the month of January to 1.4 tons of gold delivered in February. So, what's interesting about this is that the critical foreign currency inflows that the, car- the, the country, Zimbabwe's economy needs are being hamstrung at a time when the economy can ill afford it. Now, the reason why I bring up uh, these two events is to give the context within which the authorities in Zimbabwe uh, are operating under. So, obviously, the first is that with the fluid political environment in the country, the coronavirus crisis has the potential to further destabilize government if not properly and carefully handled, as was the case in Kosovo, as we have just seen earlier on. Secondly, the economy is currently in, in, in freefall, and, and, and the coronavirus uh, crisis again has the potential to just worsen uh, an already dire uh, situation where uh, the movement of goods and people is, is, is greatly limited thereby depriving uh, Zimbabwe's economy uh, of earning the much-needed foreign currency that uh, the economy needs to to pay for crucial things like um, importing maize, uh, buying electricity, buying fuel, etc. So, it's important uh, 
that the response uh, given by our authorities uh, takes all of these considerations in, into account. So the purpose of this podcast is to just assess and weigh in whether the, the, the policy responses go far enough uh, to addressing uh, the current challenges that the economy is facing and also whether those policy interventions go deep enough uh, to sort of balance uh, all the, 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 the dynamics that are affecting Zimbabwe's um, economy. So I, I, it's, it's, I just thought to mention that, um, you know, in, in, in their critically acclaimed book, uh, Why Nations Fail, which I would recommend all of you to listen to, to, to actually read, uh, the authors of that book uh, talk about critical junctures where just one catastrophe can shift uh, the entire economic or political balance in societies. And, 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 and the emergence of, of different uh, institutions also in whole economies, in economies and, and societies is also caused by uh, these catastrophes. So the, the, the authors of this book talk about these critical junctures where uh, pandemics such as the coronavirus uh, crisis can shift the entire economic and political uh, situation in whole society. So they give an interesting comparison of the uh, bubonic plague that uh, happened in Europe in the 1600s. And, and, and I personally believe that this uh, COVID-19 crisis is one such event that presents a critical juncture, not just for Zimbabwe, but the entire uh, world economy. So now... To, to, to just look at the specific points of interest in the RBZ statement, uh, which I'm sure by now most of you will have already have uh, seen or read or, or heard being talked about. Um, one important point to note there is, is the RBZ's own admission that the country's limited access to foreign currency at this particular time is adversely affecting uh, the country's balance of payment position. So whatever policy responses that they have been they have made through the statement is obviously uh, ad meant to address uh, this critical shortage of foreign currency access. Which then brings us to the the first point uh, that we will talk about about the policy uh, a statement today, uh, which um, the RBZ uh, is essentially making available an option uh, to pay using free funds for goods and services chargeable in local currency. So the RBZ is insisting that this dispensation to use free funds will promote social distancing and will make transacting easier during this uh, difficult period. So what this effectively means is that the RBZ says individuals can now use their free funds in the form of United States dollars to pay for goods uh, and services priced in Zimbabwean dollars. So effectively, you might have guessed the United States dollar is now legal tender in Zimbabwe again. Now, for, for the purposes of, of of enlightening all the listeners, yeah, the, the RBZ's definition of free funds uh, is 
money received by individuals through remittances or funds received by NGOs, foreign embassies, uh, and other international organizations. So, this is what uh, the RBZ deems as free funds, uh, which individuals can now uh, use to pay for services and goods that are priced in Zimbabwean dollars. So, what does the RBZ hope to achieve by doing this? Um, so, obviously, what the RBZ is, is aiming at uh, is, is to, to, to push as much trade as possible into the formal uh, banking uh, system. So the RBZ obviously sort of acknowledges that uh, there is the bulk of uh, trading in the economy is happening outside the formal channels. Uh, either through the black market or through Zimbabwe's hugely informal market, uh, where traders are just uh, quoting for their goods in, in in U.S. dollars or just benchmarking their U.S. their their goods uh, at the prevailing black market rate. So, by pushing uh, as much trade as possible into the formal banking uh, systems, the RBZ hopes to then able to access some of these funds to pay for some of the critical uh, imports that the current the country really needs that we've talked about earlier things like electricity things like uh, uh, buying maize things like paying for fuel and and that other stuff so another interesting point to note is that also couched in this policy directive is the recognition that a considerable amount of uh, forex uh, is circulating outside the formal uh, banking system as, as I've mentioned earlier on uh, which effectively means that a significant amount of trading is happening in, in the United States dollar in any case so this is just a tacit admission of this fact uh, by the RBZ so Obviously, this can be read as an admission uh, that the RBZ itself now concedes that um, its de-dollarization exercise has, has somewhat failed as evidenced by the return of the United States dollar. And, and the obvious question that, that would then arise is, is why has the government been so hell-bent on forcing everyone to accept the Zim dollar uh, only to make an about turn uh, just nine months later. I mean, it, it's, it's a no-brainer, right? So, to answer this, uh, there is a school of thought that uh, argues that the authorities never actually wanted to completely abandon the United States dollar, uh, as evidenced by some of the concessions that they, they gave some uh, some business to trade in in United States dollars, for example, uh, you may recall that uh, certain hotels are allowed to trade in United States dollars, certain restaurants, certain tourist facilities, as well as some DFI service stations that are licensed to sell their fuel in United States dollars. So, what 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 this did was to allow governments to collect uh, some of its revenues uh, in United States dollars through the taxes that it charges these businesses that are licensed uh, to trade in, in United States dollars. In, in fact, uh, 
government was even going further to collect taxes from individuals even in United States dollars. So things like um, car import duties uh, and, and capital gains taxes on disposal of, 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 of fixed assets. Um, the current policy is that all disposals of fixed assets are deemed to have been done in United States dollars until there is documentary evidence that proves otherwise. So all of this, remember, is, is happening in an economy where government is paying its workers, the civil servants, in Zimbabwean dollars, yet it's collecting some of its taxes in United States dollars. So the situation that then arises is that uh, the government has um, United States dollar revenues, and yet it is maintaining uh, Zimbabwean dollar uh, denominated liabilities, which is uh, the salaries that it pays its civil service workers. So the school of thought then argues that the, the, the situation that is currently obtaining with the dual currency system whereby some businesses are allowed to trade in United States dollars is exactly what government wants because it's earning revenues in United States dollars and yet it's just using Zimbabwean dollars to pay uh, its its it's 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 workers. So this situation, uh, some would argue that suits government perfectly. So I just thought that it would be interesting to mention that, so that as as you listen to this and as you also analyze uh, the current developments, you can also um, take this into into consideration. Now, one point to note uh, is 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 that at what point would the RBZ uh, mark the end to this dispensation allowing uh, United States dollar trading uh, or the, allowing rather the United States dollar uh, to buy and uh, the use of um, the United States dollars to pay for goods that are priced in, in Zim dollars. At what point will the RBZ say enough, we are stopping this? And, and more importantly, when it then reaches that point, will the market accept uh, such a move and will the market readily go back to to trading in, in Zimbabwean dollars again? Uh, that is an interesting question and, and it, it remains to be seen how this situation will, will really play out. Uh, so... Another major announcement uh, that was in the uh, policy directive issued by the Reserve Bank on the 26th of March 2020 was the suspension of the managed floating exchange rate system uh, where, where by definition uh, a managed floating exchange rate system is whereby the Reserve Bank may occasionally intervene in the market uh, in order to direct uh, Zimbabwe's exchange rate um, in one uh, direction or the other. So the system was put in place uh, recently, actually, on the 11th of March, and and barely before the ink has even dried on the paper that the initial policy was written on to adopt this managed floating exchange rate system uh, has dried, the RBZ is coming again and making an about turn and saying, wait guys, we are now reverting to a 
fixed exchange rate system whereby the rate between the United States dollar and the Zim dollar is fixed at a level of 25 um, Zim dollars uh, to 1 US dollar. So, this policy directive must be looked at uh, together with the earlier uh, policy that we've just been talking about of the use of uh, free funds uh, to pay for locally denominated uh, goods and services. So what this means in simple terms is that if if a person walks into a bon marché, for instance, and wants to buy uh, something using their United States dollars, uh, their United States dollars will be converted uh, at a rate of uh, 25 Zimbabwean dollars to 1 US dollars. And so interestingly, the, the, the black market rate as we speak is currently around the 42 to 45 uh, dollar range uh, against the United States dollar. So, so you're obviously thinking, why would a rational person go uh, and, 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 and transact in a, in a supermarket that will convert their United States dollars at a lower rate than a rate that they can obtain somewhere? Uh, and, and you're very right. Um, the thing is, any rational person will probably go uh, and change his or her United States dollars at the black market rate, which is significantly higher than the fixed exchange rate system that the, the Reserve Bank uh, of Zimbabwe is insisting on, and then use uh, the, the RTGS dollars that they would have gotten from switching their United States dollars at the black market to pay for whatever goods and services that they want to, 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 to buy uh, locally. So doing this means that a person uh, obviously gets more bang for their buck uh, by going to the black market as opposed to, to, to just simply buying um, goods and services using their United States dollars. So having said this, one can argue that the net effect is that the interbank markets uh, will likely be dried off funding as most uh, foreign currency trade will still continue to happen uh, at the black market rate. Uh, and and it just stands to reason that the only uh, economic players that will benefit from this fixed exchange rate system that the RBZ uh, is, is instituted uh, uh, those economic players that for one reason or the other they are able to access um, United States dollars at the former interbank market uh, at this um, lower rate of, of 1 um, US dollar to 25 Zim dollars, which is, you know, at nearly uh, double uh, lower than, than what uh, is happening on the, on the, on the black market. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy times uh, in the economy currently, and 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 another pain point that I would just want us to talk about is is that this con constant changing of economic policies is not good uh, for the economy in the context of attracting potential investors. I mean, one just isn't sure what the official policy uh, in the country will be. Say one month. Uh, 
from now or two months from now because there's this constant flip-flopping and, and tinkering and changing of policies so if you're a prospective investor and you're thinking about bringing your money uh, to Zimbabwe you're just not sure what the policy will be like just not even a month from now just two weeks from now so this is just um, one of the things that can be frustrating uh, if you're foreign investors. And, and obviously this does not board well uh, for the local economy. So those are the two major uh, outcomes coming out of this latest statement by the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe. Uh, but obviously there have been there were other measures that were instituted that I would also just like to talk about. And one of those measures is the... Uh, adding on of an additional 1 billion Zimbabwean dollars into the economy to support productive sector activities, uh, specifically the winter wheat uh, cropping uh, program. So if you're thinking there uh, and you're saying, here we go again, the Reserve Bank is now printing more money, well, you're probably right. Uh, Technically, that is what it is. But here's the deal. Printing money in and of itself is, is not uh, necessarily a, a bad thing. I mean, for, for, for example, the United States government, as we speak, uh, has plans to inject around $2 trillion. I mean, just think about that. $2 trillion United States dollars into the American economy in response to the COVID-19 um, health crisis. But however, in the Zimbabwean context... While the intention may be pure to to add this uh, one additional one billion dollars to support the winter wheat uh, program, uh, the 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 reality is that this additional liquidity will likely be inflationary and increase inflation, uh, the inflation rate in the economy as there will likely be too much money uh, circulating and that is chasing too few goods. I remember we've already talked about one of the effects of the coronavirus crisis is that uh, trade, the import and export of goods is significantly uh, disrupted in terms of supply chains. So just think about uh, a supermarket that's importing uh, some of the goods that it stocks and sells uh, from countries like South Africa where borders have been closed. So obviously what this means is that going forward there will likely be shortages if you will if you will of some goods yet there is this additional one billion dollars in the economy that's been pumped into the economy so what then this what then happens is that uh, it, it drives up the prices of, of 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 goods and services and and so this uh, one billion dollar in cash injection whilst it may be noble uh, it will likely be inflationary. And, and secondly, it may also cause a further spike in the black market rate as, as the recipients of, of that uh, $1 billion facility, be it farmers, be it merchants, or, or whoever uh, gets a hold of that money, will likely look to buy United States dollars uh, for their business needs. So what then happens is also that there is additional pressure on the black market rate. So this can also be one of the unintended consequences of uh, what the RBZ is trying uh, to do. And another policy uh, point is is the reduction of the statutory reserve ratio from 5% to 4.5%. 
Um, so this is, is effectively meant to free up uh, the money banks have uh, that is available for them to lend to their clients. So the way statutory reserves uh, ratios work is that uh, at, at any given point, uh, commercial banks are supposed to surrender at least 5% of uh, whatever deposits that they have uh, to the RBZ and the RBZ holds this uh, uh, reserves uh, on their behalf uh, and um, whenever uh, any other bank in the market uh, is in need of funding, the RBZ then draws from this pool and then lends uh, to that particular bank what is commonly known as the overnight accommodation. So when initially the RBZ instituted this policy, it was in response to 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 the a rising black market rate. So what the RBZ was trying to do was to drain liquidity in the economy uh, so that there is less money for people to speculate and uh, try to buy United States dollars with. So now, uh, essentially, the RBZ is doing the exact opposite of that. Uh, it is reducing uh, the 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 surrender ratio that banks uh, must uh, surrender to the RBZ so that banks have got more funds to lend to, 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 to their clients. And, and closely related to the above is also another policy point that the RBZ uh, instituted, which is um, a reduction in the, in the policy rate, in the RBZ's own policy rate from 35% to 25%. So th this policy rate... Uh, is generally used by banks as a guide to, to the interest rates that the commercial banks themselves um, ch charge the client, their own clients when they, lend, uh, when they lend them money. So what the RBZ is trying to do is to, to ensure that uh, banks lend as much as possible uh, so that uh, economic activity uh, doesn't stall uh, in light of this COVID-19 health crisis. And, and the RBZ is also trying to ensure that uh, companies, businesses, and individuals borrow as cheaply as possible so that uh, you know the economy doesn't grind to a halt and that there is uh, sustained economic activity happening in the market. Now, of course, the only major problem is that with inflation around 540%, uh, if you're a bank, for example, the average interest rates at the moment are around 50%. Uh, so this means that from the get-go, banks are earning negative real interest rates. So what do I mean by that? Uh, it, if basically, in simple terms, it means that uh, n normally for banks to be profitable, the interest rates that they charge their clients has to be higher than the inflation rate. So to, to understand this, uh, imagine uh, you borrowing $10,000 from a bank, for example, uh, or repayable over a 12-month period. So with inf And you are charged 50% uh, per annum, whilst the current uh, inflation rate, for argument's sake, is, say, 100%. So that means that uh, by the time you repay that loan in full, the bank is earning virtually 
nothing at all on the money that it has lent to you because whatever uh, you will be repaying them, say 12 months down the line, is virtually worthless as most of its value would have been wiped by inflation. So what then happens is that whenever inflation is high, such as what is happening in Zimbabwe at the moment, banks generally do not have that much big of an appetite to lend and and so what has been happening in the economy is that economic activity has just generally been slowing down because if it's a business you generally need um, to borrow money from banks to either expand into a new area to either launch a new product if it's individuals as well you generally want to borrow money to buy a car to buy a television set Uh, but when there is no money in the uh, market that is being lent out by banks that means that some of these uh, bigger capital expenditure uh, items are deferred uh, as 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 no one has got the capacity to just spend this money so the net result is that economic activity on the whole slows down and this hurts the economy so this is what's happening in the market at the moment uh, just because of the high inflation rate banks generally do not have the appetite to lend so uh, this policy uh, m- directives by the RBZ meant to encourage lending whilst they are well thought whilst the intention behind them is good is pure is what's needed is what other countries uh, in Africa and the world over are doing uh, I, I highly doubt uh, their efficacy uh, in the Zimbabwean context uh, just because of uh, our own existential problems uh, that we are facing even before this uh, health crisis with uh, the COVID-19 crisis. So uh, lastly, uh, coming out of the statement that the RBZ released is the issue that the RBZ wants uh, banks to suspend increases on on the charges related to electronic payments uh, on, on, on their platforms. And also the RBZ wants mobile network operators to, to reduce uh, their charges uh, so as to encourage uh, the public to transact using digital payment channels uh, so that you know, it complements government's efforts to promote social distancing, uh, you know, and the handling of cash notes, which can lead to, to the spread of, the, of this corona health, uh, uh, coronavirus rather. So, yeah, in, in a nutshell, this is essentially what uh, the RBZ um, is trying to achieve through its policy uh, statement that it has released. Uh, and and I've just talked about how uh, this new map new measures will will affect you uh, as an individual or will affect your business. Uh, but it is important to note, however, that the RBZ says that these policies will be revisited once the COVID nineteen situation. As has stabilized, so it's 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 not permanent. Uh, the authorities are insisting that they will uh, revisit um, all of these measures uh, once the, the dust has settled and and once this crisis is is under check. Um, 
and also important to notice that m- these measures are mostly on the uh, monetary side. Uh, they are monetary side interventions instituted by the, uh, the Reserve Bank and, and, and the government might actually on its part using its tool, uh, which is the fiscal side uh, uh, intervention, might also come and complement these measures. So if, if government were to come in, you'd expect things like uh, a reduction in, 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 in tax rates, uh, things like your IMTT, that 2% tax, or things like your VAT, or things like your corporate income tax, uh, like what has happened in, in Kenya. We were just talking about uh, what's happening in, in, in Kenya. But again, this this is um, not certain. This might not happen, uh, but I, I just thought it would be good to just point out that what we've just been talking about here are just the monetary side interventions so ideally uh, economic policy is shaped uh, by both uh, changing uh, the monetary side and the fiscal side so the RBZ is responsible for the monetary side and it has done its part so we now await to see what government will do through its fiscal side and uh, normally this will be uh, through its ministry of finance so we'll await to see what will 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 become of this um, so yeah thank you very much for listening in on today's episode of the cut blanche with perry podcast uh, i'd love to hear your feedback your comments your questions and even topics you'd like this podcast to to talk about in the future uh, you can also follow me on twitter my handle is at p and let's keep the conversation going uh, and additionally, you can also even read some of the topics that I've covered uh, on my personal blog, uh, which is also called Cut Blanche with Perry. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, which is available on Anchor, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all your other favorite listening apps. Until next time, take care.